Well, hello, everyone. This is Sheltered by Jesus Radio Podcast. My name is Al. I'm here with Seth, my co-host. Hi, Seth. Hey, Al. We're back for another episode. Uh, We're talking about new beginnings, so stay tuned. So, Al, you ended the last episode, and it made me think about something. You know, I've, there are—I know that I have times in my life when I'm really low, whether it's due to my PTSD or whatever, where I can almost get really dark. You know, in my head and in my heart. I know a lot of people feel that way because they don't see any hope whatsoever. That they believe that this world and everyone around them will be better off if they are just gone. And that sometimes puts me in a position where I'm like, "Well, <sighs> Lord, if you love me, why am I going through this? Why, why won't you take me home now?" And I used to ask that question a lot. And I remember listening to a very favorite pastor of mine preach a sermon, and he said this, The reason God doesn't take you home now is the Seth he wants is not the Seth you are today. So you need to hang on, become the Seth he wants home first, and then you'll make it home. And that can be like, how long is it going to take? You know, when I'm not rushing to end my life, but man, I want to go home, Al. Hmm. Don't you? I do. I mean, when I first became a Christian a number of years ago, pushing 30 years now, I just thought, wait, can you hold off a little bit, Lord? I mean, I was young in my faith, and I just didn't understand who he was and just how special he was. So, yes, I I had things like, I want to do things in my life, and yet I remember wondering about that. Now I'm to the point where I'm ready for the Lord's return. It is imminent anyway, because he's going to call the dead in Christ. I mean, I'm teaching through Thessalonians right now. He's going to call the dead. Christ first. He's going to call us from the air, and bam, we're gone. I believe there's going to be a rapture, a snatching up, a taking away. And that really, that could happen at any time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm ready for that. And certainly there are days that we have good days, and to God be the glory, and he gives us life and life more abundant. But then you can go long for a little period of time, and then, you know, you have some tough times. There just are some tough times. And so... But can't even a Christian, Al, who's been a Christian for a long time, love the Lord, done his best become weary and drag down. As the Bible says, don't become weary, but sometimes we do. Can't even they have a new beginning? I believe so. It says in Acts that he brings times of refreshing, and there are times just like we get a vacation maybe, and hopefully you can get one coming up too. Anyway, he brings, you know, for example, you, you know, we're working, we're working, we're working, we're burning the candle in three different places, and then, you know, we get a refreshed, uh, we get a vacation, and there's a little break from that. And so you just enjoy that and you can get refreshed. Your spirit, your soul, your physical being can be refreshed. The Lord can bring those times of refreshing, I believe, even without a like a vacation, so to speak. It's just can be, he can do a transformation of our mind. Even. Yeah, like he resets your heart, your mind uh, for the next day. And then it's amazing. It's just, I know it's not tough. It's I mean, it's easy to say, you know, kind of get your chin up and we're careful not to just throw a Bible verse at someone, yet we can speak from experience that we have had people come in and just said, oh, there's just no hope. And, you know, we're just slowly going to give them some first aid, some God aid, and they'll get their feet back on the ground. I ha- We have seen cases, and not all of them are in the chapters of, in pastor's books, of which there are four, mm-hmm. but there are some that are articulated there. There are also other people that we know that have been here and just said, like, I'm just in a bad way. My wife left, and the kids, I really would like to be able to see my kids, so on and so forth. I, I'm making a hypothetical situation, but there are some that aren't too far from that. Yeah, it's not very hypothetical. 
hypothetical. <laughs> and then and then they just say, it's never going to happen. I miss my kids so much. I just want to see them. I just want to love on them. I want to provide for them. I want to be part of their life. And then we see just through a series of things that take place. I remember one veteran in particular that happened to be here. No one knew it, but he was rather well decorated. He just wanted to get his kids because they really weren't in a safe place. And it just took a couple visits. And the judge said, like, I'm giving you custody of these kids. And he just marveled at that afterwards. He says, I attribute it to the prayer and the Lord just being merciful with me and, again, restoring me to a position. And it happened rather fast. And I'm not saying it happens in every case like that, but I remember the one in particular. And then he was, like, praying for a place that would be big enough for the kids that they could afford. And he secured some employment. And now they're, they had moved up towards uh, Farmington Way. And he got out. We provided that stepping stone here at the shelter. And it was what a joy to be able to see that, that new beginning. When he first came in, hmm. tough, tough place. Well, that's, that's what we're all about is new beginnings. You know, um, I think I shared early on when we first started the podcast about a story about a gentleman who came in who was absolutely suicidal. Police had dropped him off and asked if we could help. And he was convinced that, you know, he had no purpose to live. He was never going to see his family or kids again. He was never going to find a job again. And it took some gentle sob, the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, and praying and watching him and talking with him. And then it was a year later, you know, he's back with his family. He has a job. They have a home. He's taking care of them. And so God can do anything. Here's the great hope in God. Once you are his child, he takes the role of father very seriously. And if it's his will, it's going to happen. So no army, no government, no group, no organization can get in the way of what God says is his will. We've had people that are going to court, you know, and they're like, oh, man, I, I'm going to I'm gonna see jail time. I'm going to be in so much trouble. Today's the day I find out if I can get my kid back. You know, all these things. And so we pray with them and we just ask, Lord, please go before them set the table. Whatever happens, let it be your will. Whatever comes out of people's mouths, let it be the truth. Be glorified. And we get people coming back and getting my kid back. And oh my gosh, I'm not going to jail, but I'm on probation. I have to be here as long as this happens. Or So God is working in these people's hearts to have these decisions handed down and it's making a difference for people. Now, I don't know that that's going to be the case with everybody, but I can tell you this, that God is a good father. His will is supreme. And if you seek his face... He will add everything unto you. And he forgives, too. I mean, yes. let's, let's face oh my it. Goodness. So, yeah. People bring some judgment upon themselves in the sense that mm. they make poor life decisions and maybe don't know the Lord, and they try to fill that void mm. with any number of different self-destructive kind of behaviors. And so, yes, there are some consequences to sin. And so, yes, some people come here. We're not saying that everyone that comes here have a relationship with the Lord. On the contrary, many find the Lord here. But some come here, and they, they have made some bad decisions. And so the neat thing is then we can be the mouthpiece. Should the Lord lead us, we can talk about the prodigal son and say, hey, look, there's a picture of how God sees us. We hit rock bottom because of our poor choices. He's waiting and he'll run to us. I mean, that's that yeah. what a wonderful picture. Oh, and so he God. will restore. Like I heard you mention restore the year that the locusts have eaten. Yeah. He will do that. But again, a repentant heart is key to that too. And many times people, we don't have to preach that a whole lot. We don't ignore it. We go through Bible in an expository fashion. And then you come to those places where people just have goofed up and depart from me. I'm a sinful man and that sort of thing. And yet God says, you know, rise up, come up. I'll always take you back. And and so that, that what a great hope that is. Another hope there. You're absolutely right. And forgiveness is forgiving yourself 
knowing that God has forgiven you. And if God has forgiven you, then you have no right or authority to continue to persecute yourself. Easier said than done, though. Oh, yeah. I've had people come up and say, please, I understand about forgiving others, and I've done that, but I can't forgive myself. Well, look at it this way. I was watching a special on jails, prisons from around the world, and Russia has gotten rid of the death penalty. And so they were talking to this guy who's been dealing with this in Russian prisons, and he said, I don't want the death penalty. He says, I want those guys to sit there their whole life for the remainder of their years thinking about what they did and feeling terrible about it. Imagine that, Al, that the punishment of living is worse than the death penalty. Hmm. And that is something that I think every human being feels like from time to time in their life when they look back on decisions they've made or how they've treated people or the words they've said and really wish they hadn't and then they feel terrible about it. And that is something that you can carry with you your entire life for sure. And then sometimes I I know people think like you hinted at that they say, I just don't want to live anymore. And it's not our call. It's not our call. I was preaching or had the Bible study one Thursday night a number of years ago and I'm not always like this, but I try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and I just was going along and then about halfway through, I, all of a sudden I just said, I think there's someone in this audience that is having some really bad thoughts about life. Let me just tell you that God loves you and he has a plan for you and he'll never give up on you. Maybe you needed to hear that, that you are loved and don't do anything to give up on life because God is all about life and not death. And so afterwards, a rather tall individual came up and as some people do after a Bible study and we talk a little bit more, but this individual came up and he said, you were talking to me. And I said, excuse me? And he says, that was me. I was ready to end it. And you said that it changed things. So I mean, I prayed for him, you know, and just put my hand on him and said, oh, thank you, Lord. And restore him, please, and give him a clear thought process. That was a special day in in a sense. A little bit scary, but yet still, there was somebody that they needed to hear that the mm. love of God was alive and well for Isn't them. Isn't that the main difference between the way God sees people and people see people? This idea of canceling people meaning make them accountable for something they did 10 years ago, but give them no way to come back from it and just cancel them. God's not about cancel. Now, accountability is about owning up to what you did, but then being able to step beyond that Mm. and become a new person. And that's the difference. God is about restoration, building up, and God can use us in in, in that process, too. Yeah. What what a neat thing. I mean, maybe he's using this podcast. That's our hope and prayer that he would do that, too. I think of students that have given me some hard times, and there isn't a teacher that can't relate to that, that there are always some buggers out there. And so, I don't know, maybe you were one of those buggers. I was, I was maybe a little <laughs> bit of one. I, I recall some some of the things I did. And how, however, there was some, and I, I felt like that student just was like, oh, it's over. You know, he hates me now. And I, I made it clear to him before we left. I said, look, come back the next day. We start fresh. And, you know, he wrote me a letter of apology and stuff like that, which is kind of rare. We don't always get that. But I, I almost put my head down and started crying. I, saw my, I had that lump in my throat. I was like, he really was sorry. And he knew he had been a stick in the mud. And yet we're supposed to then be the eyes and the mouthpiece and the hand and the heart of God, if we can, mm. to a lost and hurting world. And so yeah. I wanted to offer that forgiveness to him. I got to tell you, my flesh had moments when I was going through it that it were just, you know, I had to confess, you know, my thoughts. And I had to 
evoke some real professional mannerisms, you know, and practices to keep my cool and stuff like that. But I forgive them. I do. And I did. I restored, you know, I put the football back that, that I had taken away. I'd taken away a chess game. You know, he had upended. I said, that's it. You're not playing chess anymore. And, and I, I put all that back. So I restored stuff. Not an easy thing to do. But I, yeah. I mean, I had I had talk with the Lord and he just, he impressed upon me that I'm to move forward and start afresh and give a new beginning to that individual. Well, you know, Al, we've had people here, residents here that we've been like, oh, Lord, why? You know, why do I have to deal with this? Why am I looking at this? Why am I facing this? And then God's like, Seth, be graceful. It's not your call. It's my call. Be graceful. Pray and be graceful. And then all of a sudden something happens. You're like, Oh, all right, Lord. Well, that was worth it then. We've gone through some pretty rough times with folks here. Mm -hmm. And because of the love and strength and grace of God, we've been able to hold a lot of hands through some pretty rough stuff and get people to come out the other side. Not because Seth is such a great guy, but because we have such a great God. Mm. And that's why. So I'm somebody who can have a short temper. I'm certainly somebody who can be selfish, but not when the Lord wants it to count. And so I just thank God for his grace and mercy in that area. Amen. I love a verse in Zechariah that talks about, they're, well, they're getting ready to just rebuild the wall and the temple, and they've kind of come on time when the construction has apparently become somewhat tedious and has stalled, and God uses the prophet Zechariah to get things back into perspective and speaks to him, speaks forth to him. But anyway, there is a part where it says here, who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. That is, the plumb line is what's the upright thing to do. And Zerubbabel was like the governor of this coming back from captivity at the time. So God was going to use him. But I like the part that says, who can despise? That is to say, don't despise the day of small beginnings. So mm. there's going to be a small start. It's going to be a baby step sometimes. Don't dismiss that, but it's a start. Sometimes yes. it's even just acknowledging that there's a situation that needs to be addressed rather than yes. just ignoring it, but then saying like, okay, that's it. Lord, I can't do this anymore. That's a small beginning. Don't despise that because it's a starting point. It's a small beginning to a big happening. Yeah. Big happening. Yes. Well, this shelter has been here now for 14 years and God has blessed it and he has grown it. And we are at place we are at because Pastor Barry did not despise small beginnings. Folks, we, we started tiny. One guy, sometimes not sure what people were going to eat, just taking little little steps. And sometimes there were big steps. Sometimes there were baby steps couple days or maybe a couple weeks. It didn't seem like we were stepping at all. But the Lord knew the end plan and wanted us to trust him. And you're absolutely right, Al. Too many times we want to focus on the end result. And then we see, we can acknowledge as human beings, it is an enormous change at the end of this, but it's too big. I can't do it. I'm going to, no, I can't do this. I'm, uh, there's no way I can get there. And what God is saying, don't trust tomorrow, trust today. Don't focus on tomorrow, focus on today. Today, this is what I want you to do. And folks, after a while, those little those little baby steps you're taking, they add up, Al. All of a sudden you look back and, you, yeah. and, and then you can see, wow, this stuff has really happened. I knew of an individual who gave his life to the Lord and then he, he had questions on whether or not he was doing the right thing and with his business, uh, it was a dance hall that he had and, and then he just was really trying to do things right 
right, but he was really troubled. And he just, then he began to question his own salvation. He one day just had a revelation because he used to chew his fingers, <laughs> his, his nails. One day I said, how are you doing? And he held up his hand like claw fashion. And he says, look. And I said, like, okay, I'm not really getting it. And then he goes, do you see the nails on there, the white? And I said, yeah. He goes, I am saved. He goes, I chewed my nails my whole life. And I asked the Lord to help me cure me of that, that horrible habit. And he says, to God be the glory. He says, look. And then I realized, I'm like, that was a marvelous thing to Mm. see. That was God in action. God starting a work. Now, the nails don't grow very fast. They grow like, what, one thirty-second of an inch uh, every day. So that's not a real fast grow. And then so to all of a sudden then look and say, There, God's been working. He loves me. He's empowered me to make this life change. And then he ended up selling that dance hall that he had. And I don't know where he is right now today, but those were big decisions that he made. Change can be different for everybody. And change is can happen at different speeds and rates, you know, and we are told by the Lord, hang on, don't give up. Whatever you sow, you will reap in due season if you don't give up. Mm. And that's hard. Galatians 6 actually is a great section of scripture on that topic. Yep. It is. And I have found that if you just take a moment to relax, a moment to take a deep breath and pause and focus on the Lord and with the Lord, look back, Mm. you would have found yourself traveling at a much greater distance than you had imagined. And I've said this before, the devil wants to use your past to destroy you. And God wants to use your past to show you how far you've come. And if you can put yourself in that mindset and sit there with the Lord and go, wow, look what you've done. Praise God. Then all of a sudden, hope and encouragement can re-enter into your life. Agreed. You know, the Israelites had a tradition that they would actually work a land and for 49 years. I just love the number 49 because mm. you could you forgive someone seven times 70. And, you know, there's that four, 490, anyway, that 49. But you work it for 49 and then you give it a break. And they actually had a time where it was called a year of Jubilee. And they actually just like they just rested for that time or that season. And it was a Jubilee and the Lord provided for them. And there's a great song by Michael Card that says, Jesus is our Jubilee. And it's just, it's a beautiful song. I encourage our listeners to check that out. But yeah, a a rest, totally agree with that. And God, even in his design, said, take a rest. Mm. And you know, when things got really crazy too, Jesus found, he carved out some time. And he says, I need to be alone with the Father. And he would, and then he would leave and he would take a rest. Amen. Well, look at my, one my favorite prophet, Elijah, after doing all these powerful displays of God's power, fled for his life because of Jezebel. He ran 70 miles. Do the math. I yeah. mean, I did that one. T- 70 <laughs> miles. That's, that's like <laughs> three marathons he It's ran. crazy, but there he was. And what did God do? God didn't beat him up. God said, rest. And when I am ready for you to get back to work, you'll get back to work. And he certainly, he certainly did. And then God revealed himself in a way that Elijah had known God. He provided for him. He gave yeah. him some food. Yeah. And then he was still yeah, complaining. And he's like, what? There's no... And he goes, wait a second. I've reser- reserved over 7,000 other believers uh, that have not been to knee to false gods by mm. El. And so the same as today. Our God is yeah. the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen. And so we can definitely learn from that and draw encouragement from those verses. Thank you for sharing that, Seth. Um, I love Elijah because he was, he was a man as much as he was a prophet. And he had fears and he had doubts. God overwhelmed El. As you know, you and I have had conversations that sometimes directing the shelter, oh man, 
you know, it's not one problem, it's 10. And then, oh, let me add five more. And then it's like, oh, Lord, what are you doing? I don't, you know, I don't have answers for all this stuff. What, you know, what's going to happen? So I understand in that way. I've never had God set a, a tablet on fire or anything like that, but I've experienced God's protection and wisdom through all of this and his strengthening of my heart and faith and that he's always come through Al. To me, it just seems like, oh, I've got all these problems. There's just no way. I, I you know, I can't do it, but I'll, I'm going to pray and I'm going to push forward anyway, and I'm going to trust God. And he comes through. And, you know, like Elijah, you can get to a point where you're like, Lord, I need a break. I can't do this anymore. I'm alone. I'm hungry. I'm scared. I'm worn out. I feel like you've left me. What's going on? And that's why I love Elijah so much. Hmm. New beginnings. Certainly, uh, you just never know when that, when you relate and, and be used of God to relate to that person who feels like there's no hope and that there is no way, n- not going to be a new start. And it doesn't have to do with age either. You no. know, it can be someone who's really young. We've seen some, I mean, they have to be 18 to 18 come here. 18 to come here. Yeah. Uh, and then unless they're accompanied by, you know, we have kids that are in families, right. that sort of thing. But uh, we've seen young people that just make that threshold. And then we've seen old people too, older people, mature people, I should say, that are given another lease on life. Amen. And we love that. And new beginnings are not just for the new believer, but for the believer. Every day, God says his graces and mercies are new every morning. Well, folks, I hope you have enjoyed this time with uh, Al and I talking about new beginnings. We've got one more episode coming up, and hopefully we can encourage you to love and trust in the Lord. If you'd like to learn more about Shelters by Jesus, you can go to www.sheltersbyjesus.com. There you'll find our documentary, some books, a link to a podcast. If you'd like to go directly to our podcast page, you can go to SBJ radio.com. You can send us an old-fashioned letter at 12 McClellan Street, Skowhegan, Maine, 04976, or you can call us at 207-474-8833. Al, great to see you again, sir. It's been a blessing to be back, and God bless our listeners, too. Amen. Amen.